On today's show, Pascal Siakam trade reporting made it comeback this week. And in addition to that, we'll talk to Greg Wissinger about the Kings and, of course, that draft pick that Sacramento owes to Atlanta. We'll get into all that and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1550 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday here in mid-September. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the Lots on Podcast Network. If you're a new customer, bet $5, you get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify and YouTube on the video side. And I hope you're enjoying your Friday and uh, could be your weekend by the time listening to this podcast. Plenty to get to on today's show, a jam-packed episode. In fact, I should just say this now. Basically, after I recorded the podcast on Wednesday, which I encourage you to listen to about Trent Forrest and Clint Capella and mailbag stuff and uh, some King stuff, etc., a report service from Mike Scotto of Hoopsite that got a lot of attention from Hawks fans. So I'll touch on that here at the top of the podcast. And then later on in the show, I'll have Greg Wissinger on the podcast. It's going to be a sort of a standalone episode at one point, but now a little bit longer episode today because I have to talk about Siakam and Kobe Buffkin and all that fun stuff. So we'll dive in now. Um, That reporting from Mike was not a fire drill for me in that I was going to record the show again or anything like that on Wednesday, but I did pledge on Twitter and YouTube, et cetera, to talk about on the next episode. So here we are with all of that. Broadly speaking, I will say, the reporting from Mike Scotto, who is a very good reporter, by the way. Mike does a great job across the league. Um, It wasn't a huge surprise if you've been paying close attention to this entire saga around Siakam and the reporting and who's been available and all that stuff. And really, it shouldn't be like seen as like a crazy revelation. What it does do is kind of make it more pointed in the way that he reported it to say, like, this is more of a dividing line. Um, The way that it was written, just if you missed this, by the way, is that he wrote the following. There was a young player the Hawks did not want to include that's worth noting. It should show the teams revisit trade discussions for Pascal Siakam. Then he also said the Hawks were, quote, unwilling to part with, end quote, rookie guard Kobe Bufkin. I'll stop there. Um, Bufkin was definitely part of the discussion at the time, from what I heard. And yes, the Hawks didn't really want to give him up. They just drafted him. That makes sense. You don't want to trade guys that you just picked and obviously like quite a bit. You also might remember this for part of the time, the Hawks literally were not allowed to trade Bufkin. Um, they were once you sign your rookie deal, you're, you have a 30 day trade restriction. As I noted at the time, that wouldn't have stopped the deal, and it still wouldn't stop the deal at any point because you could have just agreed on the deal and then just not announced it until 30 days were passed. So, um, I understand that was that sort of a big discussion point, but they were talking during that time, and I'm sure Buckingham was included despite the fact that he was not allowed to be traded. Um, it was also reported around the draft pretty widely that the Raptors did like Kobe Buffkin, but they also crucially did not take him when they could have. Now, they picked at 13. They passed on him for Grady Dick. That was a fine pick. I, I like that pick too for Toronto, but um, they didn't love him so much that they had to have him at 13. Um, also a pretty common thing where, you know, as we talked about before, the Hawks were willing to put the package on the table around Hunter, who almost has to be in a trade for Siakam for money reasons and also positional reasons. And then it was going to be Hunter and Griffin and whatever else. Personally, I would prioritize Griffin ahead of Bufkin. Um, perhaps it is true that the Hawks would go the other direction there, which I don't think is like completely insane, but I think Griffin's a better prospect than Bufkin personally, even though I like Bufkin quite a bit. 
Um, I don't think we know, just to be very clear, know and think and feel are different things. I don't think we know right now, based on the reporting from Mike, um, that basically Bufkin was off the table. Um, it could be easily been that the Hawks were willing to do one of the two guys and not both. I would just be a little bit careful from the outside. I don't, I'm not picking on Mike whatsoever. I think the reporting is very clear in what he said. Um, I'll admit that I don't know 100% either in this dead zone of the offseason, but I've said it before since it's been a while, though. I would have I would have not even traded Bufkin and Griffin. I wouldn't have traded Bufkin – I mean, sorry, Griffin in the deal probably at all. I won't go through the entire thing again, but Siakam's trade value is a little bit limited because he has one year left on his contract and his camp, his representation, et cetera, has been signaling to anyone who will listen – they just not really want to be traded and won't sign an extension, especially in places like Atlanta. And you don't have to believe that fully, which I am a little bit skeptical of on some level, but his trade value does lower down because if you can't sign him to extension, it gets a little bit tricky to trade a lot for a guy on a one-year expiring contract. And I've talked about that a lot, and I'm sure you can go back in the archive and find more conversations that I've had about Siakam. We'll have more on this if we need to. But two more things here from the reporting from Mike is that we should at least touch on these briefly anyway. One that one is that he wrote that Quinn Snyder is quote said to be high on Bufkin, which that got some traction and people asked me some questions about that. It really shouldn't be a surprise at all that um, you know th there is a debate, of course, about how much direct intervention Snyder has in personnel decisions. But the Hawks will tell you that he's not making decisions, and he will say that as well. But if you lose, if you use some logic, I think he has some serious sway in the front office at the at a bare minimum, even if it's, if, if not um, by title. And look. The Hawks are not going to take someone with the first pick of the Snyder era on a guy that he didn't like. So it's very logical that he would like Kobe Bufkin. So that isn't a huge thing. And also, I'm high on Bufkin, too. So we're pretty aligned on that um, in terms of the uh, the angle there. The other one is that Scotto noted that Bogdanovich is a player to watch in potential trade talks. <clears throat> now, this comes on the heels of the fact that Bogey was not trade eligible all summer because he signed the extension last year. He actually will be eligible for a trade officially as of this weekend. Also, in the way that Mike wrote it, it wasn't entirely clear that he was talking about Toronto or just overall with Bogey being kind of available. Obviously, that you know that wouldn't surprise anyone that like everyone is available outside of Trey, and now DeJounte can't be traded either. But I don't expect Bogey to be moved. Um, he is another mid-tier salary that the Hawks could use in a star deal if they want to go ahead and couple something together. Uh, one of the reasons why I said that Hunter kind of had to be in a Siakam trade back earlier in the summer was because his salary is important to put that all together. And the fact that, you know, Bogey is a little bit smaller salary than DeAndre, but another guy that can kind of be built around in trades. But Bogey, as I've said many times, it's very important to what the Hawks do offensively in particular. He's one of the best six men types in the entire league, in my opinion. They're not in a rush to move him, at least from what I understand. And But it's at least notable that he can be traded now. The only guy, again, that cannot be traded, like legally be traded, is, De is DeJounte until later on in the season because he has this, he has a six-month restriction after the extension that he signed back in July. But anyway, all that said, it's interesting reporting for sure from Mike. By September standards, for sure, Mike is very plugged in. But what I would say is that none of this is particularly uh, moving me in terms of like you know being shocking information. If you've been paying attention all summer long, it's more that he was just more definitive than I would have probably been. And good on him. He, he's got it nailed down. So there, there it is. Um, but anyway, my operating mindset on this has not really changed really at all. Siakam talks have cooled down quite a bit. There was some heights in July where it felt like it might get done any day. Um, it went quiet. Uh, no one that I'm aware of has pronounced the talks completely dead. Siakam is probably still available on some level. But it's just more rare to see a deal like this for Siakam or someone on that level in September or October unless – 
there's something on the outside, like a trade demand. Like if it's James Harden or Dame Lillard and they have a trade demand, that's different. But Siakam is actually the opposite. He does not want to be traded. So um, it could happen uh, any day. I'm not saying it couldn't, but I think it's, uh, it's certainly pretty cool from what I understand right now. And uh, we'll see if they sort of rekindle things depending on how the season goes for Atlanta and for Toronto, honestly. Um, anyway, that's all I got for now on that topic. And if you missed anything on Siakam, we've had plenty of that. And if we get more reporting, I will talk about that more as the season kind of approaches. After a break now, to hear from our sponsors, I'll be joined by Greg Wessinger of the Kings Herald to talk a little bit more about the protected pick that Sacramento owes to Atlanta, how the Kings stack up this year, whether that pick is actually going to be a first-rounder or not in the near future. And uh, if you missed anything, by the way, on Wednesday, I did a little bit more of a synopsis on the nuts and bolts of the Kings trade uh, and all the sort of what's owed from the Kings to the Hawks in the pick. But uh, we'll have much more on that coming up after break to hear from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the already happening NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, if you're a new customer, bet $5 to get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, every customer who bets $5 can also get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube, YouTube, YouTube TV at this point. Beyond the awesome perks of signing up, FanDuel has point spreads and over-unders and money lines, player props, and much more. And the app is safe and secure with FanDuel. They cover the whole range of sports for your viewing and handicapping pleasure. That includes the NFL, of course, college football, NBA, MLB, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, and much more. And now is the best possible time to join the FanDuel ranks. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season right now with an offer that you absolutely do not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I'm joined now by a genuine Sacramento Kings expert. Greg Wissinger is here. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm living the dream, man. It's uh, it's getting We're getting closer to the season, media day, training camp, all those things. Uh, and earlier, actually, I think I might say this before I, before I uh, even brought you in on the show, but I'll just repeat myself. Um, I started to get sort of the uh, the questions that I knew I probably would get about, like, hey, like, what's up with that Kings pick? So I, I did a little bit of a, like a 10-minute preamble earlier this month on my show solo. Like, hey, just here's the protections, all that's like the nuts and bolts and um, but you know, I figured it was time to do a little bit more depth on the Kings because I said for two, two or four star recording, it's kind of a secondary rooting interest for the Hawks, which is a little bit weird. I know it's like on the other side of it, you're not going to be sweating this much. I wouldn't imagine. Maybe we'll talk about it at some point in this conversation, but, uh, I figured it was time to talk a little bit about the Kings. I, I do want to, before we get there though, briefly anyway, um, it's been like 14 months or so since the Kevin Herter trade. Um, you came on once before. We talked about it a little bit then mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I wonder, like, how you felt about the trade a year ago and how it compares to now. Because obviously, as we'll get into, the Kings had a pretty good season and he was pretty good. So I'm imagining you are okay with how that transpired before we, before we get into what pick might be coming back to, to Atlanta. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, that that pick is viewed as a, a huge win for the Kings, at least amongst Kings fans. You know, not necessarily yeah. that it, it's a loss for the Hawks, but you know, I don't think everything has to be a win and a loss, but Kings fans are thrilled with that trade still. Um, you know, yes, gave up a, a first round pick and there were some protections around it. So the, the cost is not viewed as anything that's going to be too astronomical. And, and Herter was a huge part of the Kings success. I mean, just his shooting pairs very well with, you know, Fox and Sabonis and the way that the Kings have built their team with, Fox a bonus and then all the shooters all around them. Um, yeah, Herter definitely had some ups and downs. He he had some lulls. Uh, you know, in the playoffs, he 
went a little bit cold at times, and that was most of the Kings team, though. They kind of went cold in that first-round matchup. But uh, overall, we're thrilled to have him in Sacramento. You know, he he's young enough. He kind of fits the player timeline they're looking for. He's still under contract control. So Kings fans are very happy with Kevin Herter right now. Yeah, and I'll leave it. I'm not trying to trigger Hawks fans because, you know, I, I was I – was pretty outwardly negative about that trade when it happened. And I, I still feel pretty much the same way. Um, I, but I, I've always said like, it, it's not, it doesn't look as bad as long as it's a first round pick coming back. Yeah. And it's funny at the time of the deal, it wasn't a total <laughs> lock that that was going to, you know, the, yeah. I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Like the Kings have been so bad for so long that yes, it was, they, there was, there were three years to convey that pick, but it was not a lock that the Kings were going to be good enough to convey that pick at any point. And I guess it maybe um, there's still like a, maybe one percent chance of it not happening now. But it's one of those weird things where I thought in my analysis, and I kind of I'm trying to be fair. Like, look, there's a chance this becomes two seconds, and then the deal's even worse. Yeah. If it's like, and we're getting into this now, I guess if it's the you know the twentieth pick in the draft, I don't I don't like it still. But it's a lot easier to sell that. Hey, you got a, you got a legitimate first round pick back. Mm-hmm. Probably, not, probably not a great draft in 2024 if it happens, but. Um, anyway, long story short, that's why I brought, that's why I started with that because, of course, that's where this pick comes from is the Kevin Herter trade. Um, mm-hmm. But look, you know, it's top. It's everybody that sort of missed this preamble. It's it's lottery protected this coming season. Then, if for some reason the Kings don't make the playoffs, it will be top twelve, and then it's top ten, and then it becomes seconds if that never conveys. And I will talk about that more later on. Um, before we get to how good they'll actually be. Um, we kind of tease it a little bit. What's what's kind of the the mindset of the Kings fan and like someone, of course, like you covering the Kings about having the pick out there? Like, does it even come up? Like, do you guys talk about the fact that you owe the pick to the Hawks at this point? Or is it just like here's here's our team, we're pretty good now? It it comes up only in the sense that it's something that the Kings would have to maneuver around if they wanted to use picks in a trade oh yeah Uh, so so we kind of became experts on the way that (laughs) that could still work over the summer because there was rumors that the kings might be interested in like an og and anobi or something like that you know the hawks were also interested in sort of maybe you could never really (laughs) know right yeah uh so but that pick kind of became a complication there so I, i know that there's some kings fans that are eager for it to convey just so it's not something that trips up future picks in trades and things like that um i mean there are ways that the kings could still include future picks or even this year's pick in a trade they just have to have language in there that you know if it goes to the hawks then here's what happens if it doesn't yeah they they just have to write all that language in and can get pretty complicated but outside of that it's not something that's really thought about it it's you know the the kings have their their core and, and we're not living and dying with what's happening in the draft and not needing someone picked at 20 to be our savior you know so you know we went through a lot of those years so you know yes it, it's kind of a, a sunk cost as part of the trade but uh, outside of pick co- the trade complications it's not something that comes up very much yeah and you know part of it is and this may just seem very obvious but it's worth just saying out loud like the fact that you know the king's want to make the playoffs like you, yeah. and I think I probably expect to make the playoffs at this point after mm-hmm. last season and the pick only conveys if you make the playoffs so it's like you you want to send the pick anyway because that means you're good it's not as if they're in the middle of this like you know continuous rebuild where like giving away a pick at 15 is going to be like this the end of the world like they I'm sure they would and from what you just said obviously this is this is true even if, even if they're the seven seed they'd rather be the seven seed and convey the pick than keep the pick and roll it over because like yeah. eventually 
unless you like want to go really really far into the depths of old king stuff and be really bad which they nobody wants that so it's like convey the pick now hopefully it's the 25th pick instead of the 15th pick but obviously it's kind of uh, all the same for the kings right yeah there, there's no strategic thought of well if we can keep it this year and then not convey you know there, there's none of that going on in sacramento <laughs> yeah I, I i figured as much um so la- last year I know they didn't actually keep the pick in the end, but they ended up mm-hmm. with, with, a, with, a, with a 24th pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of an interesting baseline. Um, but it's, we sort of talk about what the Kings might be as Hawks fans root around this pick. You know, a lot went well last year, obviously, as we talked around already. The offense was all-time good. Um, I know I'm sure you're sick of hearing about like how healthy they were, but they were quite healthy last year, and that probably helped a little bit. Um, but, like you know, broadly, and then we'll drill down. Are you expecting a similar kind of performance? Like are, are Kings fans expecting a step forward from last year? You know, in the, gro- the, the old growth is not always linear line comes mm-hmm. up a lot, but like when you win 48 games kind of out of nowhere, what's the, like, what's the feeling there now? Do you even generally like, it's just like, okay, we're, we're pretty good. Or, or are we thinking like contending teams? Like is, is there another jump to go in all this uh, um, sort of, yeah, they're still pretty young, but what's, what's next supposedly? Yeah, so I think that what everyone is looking for is, you know, a continued improvement, continued growth. You know, last year there was a ton of new players, you know, not just Kevin Herter, but uh, a lot of new pieces. And so the idea is, you know, plus a new head coach. So the idea is in year two, everyone's more familiar with the system, the coaches, the personnel. The idea is that it, it can continue to grow and gel. Um, I think the the most common thing that most of us are expecting is that they could win more games, but be a lower seed. Cause last year in the West was kind of an aberration. Yeah. I mean, 48 wins normally does not get you the three seed. And, and yeah. we're realistic about that where even if they won 50 games, they could just as easily still be the six seed, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it, there's a lot of variability in you know, how that all shakes out. So I think that the expectation is improve, maybe win a few more games than last year, but, you still might not be quite in the same seating that you were and, and might have a little bit more of an uphill battle to kind of make it out of that first round. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during unexpected times. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It gives you peace of mind that you're not trying to just hope that you have the access to that you need to the medication that you are looking for in case of an emergency. Jace Medical also makes sure that you have your medication in hand, and it's very, very simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to the licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. With Jace Medical, you won't be caught unprepared, which is something that I definitely know is quite valuable. As a listener or viewer to this podcast, you can also save more than $360 by getting life-saving antibiotics from Jace Medical, plus get an additional $20 off by using the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. Promo code locked on. One more time, jacemedical.com, promo code locked on. That all makes sense. And, you know, being this is a, a hawk show, I'll, I'll, you can take this wherever you want to. I, I'm going to ask you two kind of two broad questions. One of them is like, what are you sure of when it comes to the Kings? And then what are you unsure of? Because look, you know, in the end, I did this whole spiel on my show, but like the best case scenario for the Hawks is that the Kings finishes the eight seed in the West. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. you know, that's, that's what everybody in Atlanta is going to be rooting for. But like, so broadly, you know, again, taking a step back, the offense is, I, what, I assume what, what you're going to say, because they were number one in the league in offense last year. Yeah. Um, but what, what are you sure of? Like what, what, what can Hawks fans that are like maybe watching more Kings 
this next year? What, what can they be uh, confident in seeing? Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's the offense, right? That is the the known in Sacramento that they have a diamond offense. They added some additional pieces this summer that could potentially make it even more explosive than last year. Uh, even though that it was the best offensive rating of all time, but literally all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did dig into the numbers, and those numbers are kind of creeping up year over year, like. Oh, the yeah. top 10 offensive ratings of all time are all in the last three years. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, so. one thing, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's true. Sounds to cool. say it. it's, yeah, it's true to say that, but if you do like any sort of adjustment for the, for the season, it's, it, does, yeah. it doesn't actually hold up that way, but look, it's still something they can say for At least until it's broken, they can say right. yeah, the best offense of all time. So. Yeah. So uh, they have an explosive offense, uh, a very uncertain defense. I mean, the defense is the big question mark. Uh you know, the hope is that they could be a little bit better. I don't think anyone expects them to be an elite defense, but um, they definitely showed in the playoffs that they can step up and, and play more uh, cohesive defense than what they had in the regular season. So it's kind of, all right, is that going to be a more regular thing? Because, I mean, if they can improve even just a, a little bit on defense, suddenly they're a lot better team overall, you know, when they're not just focused on outscoring everyone. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing is the offense is the known. Everything else is still kind of a question mark. I mean, we've had one good season in 17 years. And so <laughs> all of us are still a little snake bit and like, you know, yeah. uh, not willing to like just assume that good things will keep happening, but it, it feels sustainable. So we're, we're definitely hopeful. Yeah. It's probably a fair thing to have your guard up on some <laughs> level. And, and I, I also, I also follow you and a couple of other folks that, uh, right for Kings Harrow and like there's a healthy level of uh, you guys would be how I would be if I had been invested in the Kings for this long yeah. like, there's a little bit of like we can't be too sure about this which I understand you never and, fully trust the Kings <laughs> of course and that's and that's fine but like so it, you, you mentioned the defense just to put a number on like they finished I think 24th in defense mm -hmm. last year it's hard to win 48 games and be 24th in defense like it's kind of ironic because that's kind of sort of been what the Hawks were hoping to be yeah. is like this super elite offense that like just plays enough defense and they want to be better than that. And so are the Kings, like you just said, but the parallels are kind of interesting there. Like these two teams, yeah. not that <laughs> that's why you're here, but like, it's just kind of undeniable. Like uh, the, the formula of elite, of elite offense and like hopefully just okay. Defense is kind of how both these teams are being built. And, you know, I'm sure that neither one of them wanted want to be 24th in defense or whatever, but like, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of what it's been like. And by the way, the Kings won more games last year than the Hawks have won at any point during this Trey Young run, which is kind of crazy because they made the, they made the conference finals and the Kings did not, right? Of course, <laughs> right. but it's just uh, the parallels there are kind of undeniable. Honestly, it's weird. Yeah, and we've got you know some other connections too. Of course, you know the the Herder Bogdanovich. I mean, there, there's oh, yeah. there's some overlaps there. You know, the the bogey thing is uh, came up a lot. You know, because because it was his World Cup performance, so he got a lot of yeah. uh, more probably more national attention than usual. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I I know that I saw maybe it was Jake Fisher. Uh, somebody brought up the 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 scuttled Milwaukee transaction that led to the Hawks getting him indirectly yeah. and all that. You know, the fact that the Kings didn't match all those things are like just memories flooding back. Um, <laughs> But no, it's, yeah, I think we kind of know that. So I was going to ask you what you're worried about. Like, what's the downside scenario beyond just injuries? Because that's everybody's downside scenario. Like, what's the what's the scenario in your mind where the Kings don't make the playoffs? I mean, some kinds of some combination of the West being better and like what goes wrong for Sacramento beyond just like injuries and just, I guess, performance wise. Let's assume like semi-reasonable health. How, how, how mm -hmm. would they regress enough to keep the pick, I suppose? 
Yeah, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that it, it would be less about what the Kings were doing and more about what the rest of the West is because right now there's not a lot of teams that are expected to be at the bottom. We know that someone's going to have injury issues just you know, especially because a lot of the the top West teams are a little bit older, but you know, really the the fear would be combination of you know just kind of re- regressing offensively. You know, maybe it's not the best offense all time anymore, and the defense stays bad, and then the other teams in the West are all really good. Kind of that combination of factors. I definitely think the injuries are the biggest thing. Um, I think how healthy the Kings were gets a little overstated. They just had a lot of injuries that guys played through, like. Sabonis yeah, broke his thumb yeah. in December. Most guys missed two months for that, and he just played through it and missed two games for it. So, you know, there's a they did get lucky in the sense that everything was something that guys could play through to a yeah. reasonable extent because there's certain certain things you can't. It just doesn't matter, uh, and they avoided those last season. Uh, so there is that risk. But then, you know, the other would just be, you know, if the shots aren't falling, if teams have kind of figured out their offense you know a little bit better how to defend it those types of concerns um i don't have huge concerns in there but if if you told me they missed the playoffs that's what i would have expected to have happened yeah and i was gonna ask this but i guess we'll just do it now like the part of it look i'm looking at the west projections or always fan duels win totals because that's what i have up right now um because they're a sponsor but i mean every Look, there there are what eleven, maybe twelve teams in the West that are expecting to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. and there are only eight teams that make the playoffs. So, yeah. I, I mean, Sacramento is projected to make the playoffs as a favorite to do so on the you know betting side. How do you want to say that projections? They're going to be in that top eight for most people that I have seen so far, and that makes sense. But you know, teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, um, you know, the Thunder, who, who probably will be better, the Pelicans, mm-hmm. uh, if they can be healthy, probably will be right. better. Dallas, uh, you know, I don't, beyond that, I'm not really sure. Like, you know, maybe, I mean, Houston's trying to win. I can't imagine they're going to be better than Sacramento. But, like, there's still 10 or 11 teams that are mm-hmm. legitimately there. So um, it seems like it's just like some combination of slight regression and improvement in the West is the formula. Because, like, yeah, I, I didn't, I hadn't thought about that before, I, before we talked. Like, the 48-win thing, wasn't there a year not that long ago? You probably remember more than I do because you covered the West – but wasn't there a year where like 46 didn't make the playoffs in the East in the West? Like mm-hmm. not that not, not that long ago. So just like, a couple of years ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah. that's it's a pretty high bar to clear if it all if it all breaks right. Um, I was gonna ask you this, like, we kind of already talked about it, but what are the like what how does the season pivot? Like if I'm asking you five thousand foot view between like what's the difference? Like what's the biggest factor between the Kings win 46 games, 48 games, 49 games? and finish with the six seed versus the Kings win 42 games and they finishes the nine seed and miss the playoffs, keep the pick. Like what is like the number one or two pivot point for the season from your perspective? Because I know that's something you're obviously tracking independent of all this conversation. Yeah. I think that, and this is going to sound like a, a weird answer, but it, it no, would be a matter. It'd be a matter of timing. <laughs> okay. And, and what I mean by that is, you think about a lot of the, if you want to call them super teams or whatever you want to call them in the West, a lot of them have stars that we expect will miss games to injury, right? True. Uh, yeah, the Suns, the Lakers core, the Clippers core, you know, the, a lot of the top teams in the West have guys that tend to miss a, a good chunk of games throughout the year. Yep. But sometimes the timing doesn't work out and you just, 
hit them when they're all healthy. And that's a whole different schedule than if you happen to luck into playing a lot of them hurt. Um, now the Kings actually did pretty well against some of those better teams, even when they were healthy last year. So it, it may not even come down to that. Uh, that's just kind of something that stands out when I kind of look at the West and the, the way it could all shake out. Um, I mean, really the other really hard part for Sacramento, and it's true for all the teams in the Pacific division is, all five teams in the Pacific are just going to cannibalize each other. Like yeah, they're all just no bad team. Like there's no bad team there and they all play each other four times. And there's going to be some losses on every one of those team schedules that just, you know, adds up a little bit more than it would for, you know, teams that just have weaker conferences or weaker divisions that they're in. So, yeah. And I mean, there's two things I noticed and something you can, I'm sure give me more insight on that um, just looking at a cursory glance, the Kings dominated bad teams last year. They had, mm-hmm. I think, one of the best two or three records in the league against below 500 teams. And they also had the second best road record in the whole league. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you make of those two? Because you, you normally you wouldn't expect a team yeah. that had the Kings profile to be that good, especially on the road. That, that's the one. I mean, beating bad teams is, a, is an important thing you have mm-hmm. to do. But like, especially that combination of them too, like winning on the road and also being bad. Is it just a, is it just a consistency thing? Like, is, it, is that just the offense being so good that it's kind of undeniable? Like, what do you make of those things? Because I think just broadly, not even just the Kings, broadly, I would expect any team to probably regress on those areas just because that's kind of unsustainable maybe. But I don't know if that maybe it is sustainable. So what was another weird number that I'll throw into that as well is that uh, their road defensive rating would have been ninth in the league. Which is that's so weird. It's completely weird. It makes no sense whatsoever. So uh, uh, I guess at home they just we're so, we're so good on offense. Nothing else mattered. I don't know. That's yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, so we're all kind of so we're looking at that regression, right? Because like I said, yeah, you wouldn't expect those things to necessarily hold quite so strong. Uh, but on the flip side, you would think that they'd probably get better at home and a little yeah. bit more balanced on home road defense. That's you know, a like, good point. Yeah. So you know. It, we're trying not to like get too in our heads about anything. And, and the idea is that the weird things will kind of balance each out each other out both ways. Like you don't expect that they'll stay ninth is far as the defensive rating on the road and improve at home, right? It, they might improve at home and drop a little on the road and it, it all kind of balances out. But um, yeah, the Kings had such a weird year. <laughs> I, I'm still <laughs> processing a lot of it. Like we just kind of took the yeah. whole summer off. We didn't write anything. We're just like, Let's just absorb what happened. To us. <laughs> I don't. Re- I don't really blame you, especially because of of all the history and like we, you and I can have a much more nerdy conversation about like yeah. the Kings rotation. I'm not gonna. Hawks fans probably don't care. At least most of them <laughs> don't care. But like I'm, I'm fast. I'm just fascinated by the team in general, independent of the pick. Obviously, it's a Hawks podcast, so I'm framing it that way. But like, I, yeah. la- they fascinated me last year. Like some of the rotation decisions, like the way the combinations work, mm-hmm. the offseason moves were really interesting to me in some way. Like they're, they weren't huge. So they didn't get a ton of attention. It wasn't like they, like they traded some bonus or bought, like they were, it's kind of just, they're all secondary stuff, but it's a, it's a very interesting basketball team. And like Mike Brown has early got a, you know, a ton mm-hmm. of love. And he, I think he did a great job from what I saw. Obviously I wasn't watching all 82 like you were, but um, that seems to be a pretty steadying force. And I'm excited. Cause look, I've said it before in public. I'm happy for you guys. Like I, I, the King, I mean, I know you, it's, it's, it might sound kind of, and I promise it's not like, I'm really happy for Kings fans. We don't take it that way. (laughs) And people that like, look, I'm I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. So like, I have, I have an appreciation for some pain. Mm -hmm. I I grew up in the Hawks. Like I started covering and becoming a real diehard fan of the Hawks when they were just awful, like truly miserable. And when I was in college, so like there's a fondness in my heart for like bad (laughs) 
organizations like coming out of it and like getting it together yeah. and like winning. So I'm, I'm happy for that. I have one more question Yeah. before we get out of here. I'm sure you've had to do this already. And if not, I apologize. Have you, have you done like your, your, your official picks yet for the, for the Kings? Like when, when total. I have not. Like, okay, perfect. No. So I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to preamble now. I won't make you like, I won't pin you down full, but it was funny. I hadn't done this either. And my, my guy, Josh Lloyd, who hosts the Locked on fantasy basketball show. Great guy. I was, I was on a show and I, it was so early in the summer that I was not expecting him to ask me for a win total. Yeah. And I was like, he asked me at the end of the show and I was like, I, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I had to answer him. I was like, you yeah. can't just not give him an answer. So anyway, I gave you, I gave you 30 more seconds to, to think about your answer. No, you, you can give me a range if you want to, but I guess for the Hawks standpoint, like maybe another way to do this would be like, what is your confidence interval that, that the Kings will make the playoffs? You know what I mean? That's what matters to the Hawks fans. I feel like. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, I'm, reasonably confident i mean again i'm a king's fan like we don't well, have i was gonna say at all like, yeah no i, I say I that is that. basically like stone cold lock you know like, i was gonna say reasonably <laughs> confidence like you think they're gonna be the two seed this year and uh <laughs> uh look look at look out nuggets we're coming for you no I, i'm kidding i won't frame it that way but so, but but uh, you know, all joking aside like i feel like in following you and also listening to this conversation like it feels like and, and you're and you're you're fine. You're obviously you're invested, but you're. I find I find that you're pretty objective. Like you're not you're not a total homer either. So it's one of those things where I, I trust that you believe that. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. I mean, like last year, I didn't think they were making the playoffs. Like I'm a, right. I'm a very I mean, no, no one, I'm a no realist. One did, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm sure that's part of the fun of it. But okay, so one more one more fine tuning question. Sure. What what is more likely in your mind? The Kings pick you know that, that that they become the seven or eight seed and they pick in that 15 16 17 range and that becomes the hawks pick or the kings go out and win 52 games and the pick is 25th like what where where are you on that like what do you like you know you know what i mean i know yeah. it's hard to say right now but um trying to get hawks fans one more one more morsel in here I think it could be both. I think they could win 52 games and be like this. Still be the six, still be yeah. yeah, no, it's actually, I, I, mean, I probably undersold <laughs> that when I, when I did my, my solo show, my yeah. solo segment about this. Cause yeah. I was thinking, you know, if you bacon kids, I'm sure you've seen like the win totals, the over unders are mm-hmm. it's below where they were last year. I think yeah. people are baking in some of the regressions and I mm-hmm. get why. Of course. And it's the Kings. And They've done it once. That's no also true. It. Yeah. <laughs> but even if they were to, let's just say hit their, projection that's like in a 44 45 win range mm-hmm. I, I probably have underthought about like how likely that is to actually just miss the playoffs like it's like they have to they have to not be necessarily as good as last year but they have to kind of almost be as good as last year to make the playoffs that's probably fairly safe mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. i think so i mean yeah. again we never know how the season's going to shake out weird things happen you know the standings are never what any of us think they're going to be <laughs> at the start of the that's year like very true you yes. know so it, it's a long season. It's a weird season, but you know, history of the West tells us that you need to probably win the same or more games to comfortably be in the playoffs next year. Uh, all right. Well, I've, we've done a, a deeper than I think anyone else would do covering the Hawks <laughs> job of talking about this in September. Um, if this is close at the end of the season or in advance of Hawks Kings, I might ask you to come back on and talk a little bit more Absolutely. about it. Uh, and for your sake, I hope it's I hope it's not close. But for for Hawks fans' sake, they're going to be rooting for it to be close all year. That's what it's. It's very. <laughs> in fact, just so you know, there's kind of a debate happening about like 
how razor thin you want it to be. Right. Um, and also the 24 draft is not supposed to be very good. So like Hawks fans kind of, kind of secretly hope that it doesn't convey. <laughs> it's just a very weird thing, man. I mean, it's a nuanced, very NBA nerd conversation oh, yeah. in itself. But then there's like a whole other level beyond that of like looking at draft classes a year in advance and like, what's the value of the 12th pick versus the 16th pick, all of this stuff. So anyway, I appreciate you being a good sport. Thanks for all the time. Uh, I know this is okay, it's the Hawks podcast, but plug what you have going on. I I will vouch for all of your work. <laughs> and people should, even if they don't even if they don't care about the Kings, they should read what you guys are doing. So what's going on in Kings? Lately? Yeah, so uh, I I help manage the the Kings Herald. We're completely independent uh, Sacramento Kings coverage, so uh, we're just out on our own doing our own thing. It's kingsherald.com. Uh, we try not to take it too seriously, but we we've got our own podcast, articles, analysis, all that good stuff. So. You know, if you're ever curious and want to keep track of how the Kings are doing, we'd be a, a good place for you to check in. And look, I- I'm telling you, the diehard Hawks fans, like the actual sickos, mm-hmm. are going to follow the Kings all year. It's going to happen. Uh, I've, I've seen this happen before with pick protections, and like the, the sickos are already mm-hmm. talking about it. So oh, yeah. Go ahead. And, and if you're going to do that, Hawks fans, do it at Kings Herald. That's awesome. And then, you know, they're on national TV like over 20 times this year. So you actually get to like see some games if you're interested. And, and yep. they're a fun team. They're, they're just a really fun brand of basketball. So, you know, maybe along the way, you know, after the pick conveys, then you, know, you can just kind of root for the Kings as your, your Western yes. Conference team. So you can choose a West team to uh, align yeah. yourself with, at least for 80 of the 82 games each exactly. season. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you again, Greg. I appreciate it, man. As for everybody else, Please subscribe to this podcast. Again, check out Greg's work at Kings Herald, and we'll see you guys next time.